is right. Hey, if you want a seat, there's some seats up here in the front. I'm Forrest. I'm really glad you're here. Welcome. A couple quick things for us. On Thursdays, you are always invited to participate in worship by helping serve communion. And there's a table at the back. You can sign up for that for these next two Thursdays. Second thing, uh, there's a latrine initiative going on right now led by some Moover students to provide uh, toilets in Ethiopia, in a village, 15,000 people has no, they have no working toilets, which, which means it's a whole big mess of, of problems for health and safety for children, for everyone there. Tonight in the NPR at 8 p.m., there's a, a, you're gonna, can learn more about that and hear, hear from the students who are planning this and also hear from one of our wonderful uh, students who's from Ethiopia, Talk, talk about what it's like there, what it was like for him growing up. So that's tonight, 8 p.m. in the NPR. Check that out or talk to Jacob Brower if you need more information. And then lastly, as you know, uh, Whitworth student Craig Dobus uh, passed away last week after a long battle with cancer. And tomorrow at 4.30 here, we'll be having a gathering of remembrance for those who knew and loved Craig. We'll tell favorite stories about Craig and pray and read scripture and look to Jesus together. So that's tomorrow at 4.30 here. And uh, also, if you can't be there tomorrow but would like to write a note of stories of remembrance, um, there's some cards in the prayer room right there, and you could do that, and that'd be a gift to Craig's parents. So um, I invite you to those things to remember Craig. Let's pray together. Lord God, in this season of Advent, we do long for your coming. We long for you to come to make things right in this world, for the universities. Like Ohio State, we pray for your peace. Come, Lord Jesus. War-torn countries like Syria, we pray for your peace and justice. Come, Lord Jesus. For those in our country, immigrants, people of color who feel afraid in this political and social climate, come, Lord Jesus. Bring justice and hope and life. For us in our hearts where we need it, we pray for your peace and hope and light. Come, Lord Jesus. And for Craig's family and friends who are mourning in this time, may they know the presence of the God who loves us enough to come and die in our place and on our behalf and rise, that we may have hope. Come, Lord Jesus. Open our hearts and our ears to hear your word now through Mindy. Come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Well, as we're moving into this time of Advent and preparation and thinking about what is to come, I've found that more and more often these days, I'm hearing Whitworth students freak out about their future. What am I going to do next? What program should I apply for? Am I on the right track? Should I try something else? What if my spouse doesn't show up within the next six months before I graduate? What if that relationship is, isn't going to work out? Or what if that relationship I thought or my mother thought was going to happen while I was here isn't going to show up? We're all wondering what is going to happen next. And I rem so often I'm sitting in my office listening to students worry. The anxiety is lifting. And I just need you all to know that I'm sitting there laughing at you silently in my own head because it took me so long to figure out what I was going to do. I went to Whitworth, I lived in BJ, I lived in Ballard, I did all of these things that a lot of you are doing right now. I studied theology, I didn't know what I was gonna do next. I actually moved to Phoenix and my first job out of Whitworth, everybody, I worked at a demolition company. 
And I literally set garbage dumpsters at sites for destruction to happen. That was what my, <laughs> my degree of mind and heart took me to a destruction company. It took me a long time to figure this out. I had a few more jobs, and it wasn't until I was 27, I know, 27, before I went to seminary. I then decided, all right, I've got my idea, I've got my plan, this is what God's asking me to do. I did three long years in seminary. They were hard work, but when I was done, man, I was ready to go. I knew exactly what was going to be next. And I graduated. We had this beautiful ceremony, and then I started to put all of the feelers out. I thought I was going to have a ton of job offers at that point. I knew people. I was connected, and I waited, and not a job offer came. So around September, I humbly called my parents, who were living in San Diego at the time, and I said, I just need a month, just about a month to crash, and I'm just, I'm, I, the jobs are going to come. <clears throat> and they humbly heard my response and had pity on me and they took me in. So there I was, 30, 30, single, unemployed, with a master's of divinity that cost me a ton of money that I hadn't paid back yet, living with my parents. One month turned into two months, turned into three months, turned into a year that I was stuck. I felt like my whole life had been stopped, and I was completely interrupted. The plan was not what I thought it was going to be. And there was this beautiful hike right by my parents' house, and every day I would lace up my tennis shoes and by myself go and do this hike, and I would have heated conversations with the Lord about the entire situation. And I would cry out, what are you doing? I am ready to go. This is not the plan. Help me out. I was desperate. Our text today is about two people who, due to interruptions in their life, were desperate. It comes from chapter 8 of Luke, starting at verse 41. Just then, there came a man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him, and there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I have noticed that the power has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So Jairus, we need to think about, was sort of like the operations manager of the synagogue. He was sort of a big wig in the church. His daughter was 12 years old, and all we know of her is that she was dying. His daughter, as she became more and more ill, I believe Jairus became more and more desperate. It makes you wonder how often our motivation for faith is fueled by desperation 
more often than belief. Jairus thought, I will do anything. I am powerless. I can't help her. Maybe that guy, Jesus, maybe that guy could possibly help. And he cries out to him, Jesus, please, she's dying. Help me, please. And all the scripture says is that Jesus went. As he went, it says. Jesus doesn't say anything. It's this desperate, wailing man comes to his feet, and he's sobbing and begging to him, and it says Jesus kneels down and lifts him up and looks at him in his own way, is able to communicate, we've, we've got this. I'll go. I'll show up. And Jairus, for the first time in probably months, wipes the snot from his face and takes a breath of hope, and begins walking. Jesus heard my cry, and he's going to walk with me home. So they start walking together, and these crowds are pressing in on Jesus. And they cannot be walking very quickly. There's so many people surrounding him. If I was Jairus, I would be screaming out, everybody, out of the way, my daughter, we have an emergency here, clear the path. He just said he's with me, let's go. But when we start walking with Jesus, we have to walk at his pace, right? It's not our way anymore. There's no direct route to get our life squared up. Walking with Jesus may include an indirect route with interruptions. And someone touches Jesus and he stops. And Jairus has to wait. His journey toward home. His journey toward miracle is interrupted. So a woman pushes in so close to Jesus who had been bleeding for 12 years. The same age of Jairus' young daughter who had, was near death. The same age. 12 years. They both had been suffering. This woman was ritually unclean. She should be far, far away She has no business being anywhere near Jesus. But she's desperate. So often we are taught when we're in crisis that we're in desperate need of something. Possibly it's this crisis caused by cancer or depression or grief or loss of faith, that we have to be these bold people with strong faith and come and say, Lord God Almighty, I know that you will heal me. But yet this woman comes in fear and trembling, and she's shaking her hand in a place that she doesn't belong. If I could just touch his cloak, then maybe, for the love of God, maybe I would be healed. She's at the end of the rope. I've got nothing. I've seen all the doctors. I don't have any money left. I'm alone. I'm terrified. And she mustered up all the courage she had to reach out for that one moment. And the divine power of the great healer flows out of him and restores her. And Jesus felt it. And he stopped. And he turned to her. She throws herself at his feet. And she wails. Just like Jairus. And Jairus had to stand there and watch this thing, this interruption. 
this thing that stopped his journey, that slowed down his miracle from happening, and is forced to listen to this woman's story. She told, Mark says she told her whole story. Twelve years of pain and suffering and being on the margins and isolation and fear. And Jesus showed up and stayed with her and listened. And we don't know what Jairus is doing at this point. Is he irritated? Is he looking at his watch? Is he impatient? We got somewhere to go, Jesus. Or was Jairus able to allow the interruption? Was he able to take in this ordinary moment with this big crowd of people, walking, pushing this sick woman? And was he able to take a moment and see this holy work of God happen right before his very eyes? Take heart, daughter, he says. Your faith has healed you. And I think maybe what Jesus should have said is your last-ditch effort, kernel of desperation, maybe this guy is legit faith, has healed you. Jairus knew what kind of faith that was. Jairus must have been able to recognize that this desperate woman wailing at Jesus' feet was just like him. They were the same. He, just like her, had a crisis hit his life. He, just like her, had everything in his own, he had nothing left in his own power to remedy the situation. He, just like her, couldn't fix it on his own. He, just like her, was exhausted and terrified and desperate. But he, just like her, was able to muster up the courage this last kernel of faith that he had, and reach out and say, maybe, just maybe. I don't know if he can, but I'm going to ask him anyway. Because me, just like her, we, just like her, are longing for a Savior to come and heal us. My friends, sometimes the only thing we can do is struggle toward God from behind and stretch out what little we have left to grasp the edge of him, hoping he will not be angry with us or ignore us, but hoping that something will happen beyond what we ever have imagined. So I ask you this morning, what are those interruptions in your life? What are those things that you feel are stopping you? Is it one bad semester gone wrong? Is it that one grade that's upsetting your grad school plan? That roommate conflict that maybe is brewing so badly that you can't even think straight anymore? Or that relationship you were counting on, has it completely failed? Or maybe that relationship you were hoping for hasn't shown up at all? My friend, last July, my dear close friend that I've known for almost 20 years was diagnosed with leukemia in July. He was a runner, one of the healthiest people I know, and he got the diagnosis. And for the last five months, his life has been stopped. He has been in the hospital and has four more months to go. A few of us got together and we tried to think of what we could do and we put together this little race 
and thought we should do a fundraiser because these medical bills are going to be through the roof for him. And we made bracelets that said, we've got this. And would I hear me when I say a thousand people showed up to run. It was a ministry of showing up. And in his life's interruption, in this ridiculous, painful, horrible thing that he has been dealt, a thousand people showed up. And I tell you that day, we were standing on holy ground. Because we were able to recognize that his life matters and that God was there and Jesus was at work. Jesus shows up for this woman. He showed up for Jairus. He showed up for my friend Joe and he will show up for you. But you say, why, Lord? Why do we have to go through this? Why did I have to wait a year to start my life? Why did he have to go through cancer? Why do we have to suffer? did she have to suffer for 12 years? Why? It's so inefficient. It's a bad use of time, Jesus. This makes no sense. Jesus was not efficient. He was effective. And these interruptions that keep coming are not stopping your life. They are your life. They are the very things that bring you wailing to his feet, desperate, asking him to walk with you. Jesus spoke to me after that year of being stuck at my parents' house. And this is what he said. When I stopped your life, you came to me. And that is all that I want. He moves into these interruptions and he sees them as an opportunity. God is sending us these things every day because in those we need him. We rely on him, and that's when the miracles start to show up. Jesus finally gets to Jairus' house, and he walks in, and he says, She's not dead. She's asleep. Child, get up. Give her something to eat. My friends, I challenge you this week to do something with a person that you do not have time for, to show up, to do something inefficient this week. Pay attention to the interruptions and in your desperation, reach out your trembling hand to Jesus the Christ and wait. His promise is that he will show up. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.